If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, maybe you can open it up, or maybe for many of you, turn it on to John chapter 1, and I want to look at verses 1 to 18 for just a few moments this evening. Again, I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. It is so good to have you all here. There is so much to tell you. There's many of you are family of the church, members of the church, when we were praying with our music team, because many of you are also visitors, invited guests. And I don't know how many of you know this or how many of you remember, but today is actually the anniversary of Calvary Baptist Church. Calvary Baptist Church was brought into life on December the 24th of 1993, and so this is 29 years. And I can tell you that Christmas Eve last year, none of us thought this is where we'd be for Christmas Eve of 2022. Nobody. And it is a testament to the video we all just saw. God always has another move. And that's what I want to talk to you about as we send ourselves into Christmas of 2022. God always has one more move. In fact, I believe God has always had the ultimate move, and that's been the ultimate move, and it's been planned before the Trinity ever said, let there be light. If you go all the way back into creation in the book of Genesis in chapters 1 and 2, when you find yourself in the Garden of Eden with the pinnacle of his creation being humans, Adam and Eve, they were in perfect communion with God in a perfect environment, and yet, as you all know, many of you, Adam and Eve willfully sinned, and they broke their relationship with God. And even as God declared judgment and what the cause of that broken relationship would look like, what is often called the John 3.16 of the Old Testament is Genesis 3.15. God also declared that he had a move. He said to Adam and Eve and to the serpent, who was Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He, he tells Eve and Adam, he, Satan, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Yes, God has always had a plan. He's had a move, so to speak. But let me remind us all, or at least ask us all, what was it do you think Adam and Eve were looking for? that millennia ago. Well, we know Satan tempted Eve with that fruit from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he wanted them to believe that they lacked knowledge. In other words, really it was a challenge to be God-like, to be equal with God. And can I ask us here tonight, is it any different today? Oh, we want spirituality. We want God, or at least some part of God. We like the idea of religion. We love the idea of miracles. Who doesn't want to feel good and to feel safe, especially at the Christmas season? For us to know as we end one year and begin another, on some level, that there is someone or something looking out for us. But The truth is, often this only kicks in when we're exhausted, doesn't it? 
all our moves, or we want to simply add on to a life we're pretty happy with or content with, or we want some form of God to make sure we keep this life that we've set up for ourselves. And believe it or not, every one of you here this evening is represented by that. So whether you're here tonight and you're trying to maintain appearances, or you're here tonight because you want to make sure you dot the I's and cross the T's to be quote-unquote right with God, to make sure you're good. Maybe you're here to find God. Maybe some of you are here to say, well, Steve, depending on how the music affects me and how you talk, maybe I'll give this God thing one last shot. Maybe you're here to make someone else happy. Maybe you're here, if I can be blunt and crude a little bit, you're here just to shut somebody up Keep the peace. Well, whatever the reason, whatever the motive, whatever it is you're looking for, or whatever you hope to get out of a Christmas Eve service, let me start by saying this. This year, here at Calvary, we have tried to celebrate a theological term called the incarnation of Christ. That's really what Christmas is. It's God becomes flesh. My fellow elder, Brother Steve, opened us up And he preached how showing us that God in the Old Testament was already sharing his ultimate move. There are over 330 prophecies in the Old Testament that only find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. The following week, Brother Paul pointed out how even in the ancestry of Jesus, as recorded by Matthew, that converted tax collector, and you can see how God was setting up his ultimate move putting together this ancestry that none of us would put together. And then last Sunday, John took us and actually showed us how people in the first century responded to the actual events of God's ultimate move. And for just a couple of minutes, I want you and I to consider this. What was this ultimate move? And how does it affect you and I? Well, number one thing I want you to take into Christmas of 2022 is this. God sent an actual son. The incarnation is not just a fancy theological term. It actually is something that means God became flesh. God sent his son. Paul told the Galatians, who were as confused sometimes as we are, thinking that you can have Jesus, but you got to add something to Jesus. And so he says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Now, if he'd stopped there, I think we'd still be fuzzy on what it means for Jesus to be fully God and fully man. But he continues and he says, born of woman, born under the law. In other words, he came into a Jewish family underneath Jewish law. Why did he do all that? To redeem those who were under the law. That's every one of us so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. So what is the incarnation of Christ? God sent an actual son. When Celeste read John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18 in Spanish, and, and, and do you not marvel when you hear these other nations and languages? I do. Every time I hear someone speak in another language, I imagine and dream about what it's going to be like in heaven when every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation will come together 
and we'll understand each other. Outside of a few words that Celeste particularly wrote, because Daniel, sorry man, I didn't get one word of what you said. But the only Spanish word that I got outside of testimonies was adios. I heard that one there at the very end. And that's the only Spanish word in the whole thing that I was like, I know what that one means because I've watched a lot of cartoons. But here it is, John, as often, this is the gospel in 1 to 18, that we don't turn too much at Christmas time. But as uh, David Mead says, he believes John chapter 1 verses 1 to 18 might be the Christmas passage par excellence. John is describing in his introduction that there is something more. Jesus is God in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he actually wants us to know, why did Jesus come? It wasn't just that God became flesh. God became flesh for a reason. Notice, to communicate with us. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Notice how much John references Jesus as the Word. And then he proceeds to reference Jesus communicating with various peoples. I'm preaching the gospel of John Calvary. You know this. I can't wait. In January, I start the high priestly prayer of Christ in John 17. But what have I titled my whole series in John? It's called Conversations with Christ. It's communicating with Christ whether it's calling his disciples in chapter 1 and 2 and 3, or speaking with the woman at the well in John 4, talking to the man paralyzed in John 5, or the man born blind in John chapter 9. Can any of us forget the mourning he did with Mary and Martha at the death of Lazarus when he wept before that grave? The whole time Jesus is communicating with us Jesus is identifying with us. He is showing us value. He's calling us to see how he knows how we feel. And he offers himself as the means to overcome that. Because every one of us is wrapped up in a world. Coming out of COVID, this is the first kind of normal Christmas we've had. And even this is going to have an asterisk because it's a season still with COVID. It's now with strep throat and influenza and RSV and everything else. And never before, I don't think in my lifetime, have we ever been faced with just how frail we are as human beings. And I haven't even gotten into all of the other stuff that we're dealing with. Inflation, war, famine, climate, disease. God wants us to realize Christmas is when he sent his actual son to communicate with us. For Christians, by the way, we need to make sure that we're not still trying to make moves. You see, if you're here tonight and you're like, I don't know if I'm a Christian, Steve. I'm here to keep somebody happy. I'm here out of curiosity. I'm here kind of just to do my, my token Christmassy thing. But many of you here this, tonight would claim to be Christians. And yet it's amazing to me how we can come to Jesus Christ, ask Jesus Christ to save us, to forgive us of our sin, and then think, now it's on me to maintain it. And so many of us do this. And we need to make sure that we're not like the man in the painting, across from Satan, holding our head in our hands, thinking, I'm out of moves. No. 
It's even worse when we can feel defeated as Christians, and I've known that feeling even this week. Sometimes we can feel like Satan has won, that the world has won, that it's not worth it, or the same old, same old, and we're just clinging to it. But then I want you to think about another New Testament passage when it comes to the incarnation of Christ, and that's Titus. Paul would write to one of his two protégés that we know most famously in the New Testament, Timothy and Titus. He would write a short letter. It's only three chapters. It's just a little over 60 verses. But he says something incredible at the end of Titus 2. Now, believe it or not, in the book of Titus, or the letter, Paul takes on a Roman word, and the word is epiphany. This is a a great word, and we know what this word means in English, right? I've had an epiphany. But you've got to realize what was happening is that the, the, the idea of making a grand entrance, uh, an epiphany, a, a prestigious moment, the Roman emperors of Paul's day and Titus's day would even go into hiding. If they felt like they were losing the, the worship of the people, they were losing the excitement of the people, if things were getting dull and just mundane, the, the Caesar would go into hiding and then he would uh, plan this wonderful event where he would come out. And if you want to see this in modern movies, any of you that watch of that Russell Crowe movie, Gladiator, and you remember when, when uh, uh, the, 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 really the bad Caesar is coming back to Rome, and it's this epiphany moment where he comes in and everybody's lined up, and even when he gets to the steps, he actually says, how much did you pay to get all these people to clap for me? See, Paul wants us to realize that what can motivate Titus and the church on that island of Crete was the greatest epiphany, the greatest availing of all. Listen to these words at the end of Titus 2. For the grace of God has appeared. Now, how many times, if you're Christians, have you read that phrase? And how many times have you ever stopped and wait, wait a second, what, what's Paul talking about? The grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. Paul is letting Titus know, and he's saying, Titus, tell the church, Jesus Christ has appeared. Grace is a person. It's not a thing. It's not a force. Grace is a person. The grace of God, Son of God, Jesus has appeared. And what does this do? Look at it. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Now, why would you do that? Waiting for our blessed hope. Now, what's that? The appearing, look at this, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us all from lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession who are zealous for good works. So, God sent an actual son. Secondly, God has given life-changing grace, and that's a person, Jesus Christ. This is what John is talking about back in John chapter 1. Look at verse 10. He, Christ, was in the world, and the world was made through him. Jesus made the world, yet the world did not know him. The scariest thing of all, we sang away in a manger. O little town of Bethlehem, he came unto his own, And his own people did not receive him, but now watch this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he, Christ, gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the flesh, nor of men, but by the will of God. 
So if you're here tonight on this Christmas Eve, I want you to realize that the incarnation is God became flesh. Jesus is an actual person, fully God, fully human. But Jesus is also grace personified. It is only through him that you will ever experience the power to have your life transformed. You're never going to turn your life around. You're never going to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You're never going to clean yourself off, reinvent yourself. Trust me, guys, I've tried it. It's all empty. But I want you to realize one last thing. God offers a grace-giving son. Jesus is the Messiah, Savior, and Lord. In probably one of the greatest transcript sermons we have in the entire Bible, it's the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is actually a transcript of a sermon. And the preacher only has one goal in mind, that you and I would know that Jesus is God. He is Messiah. He is our Savior. He lays out a sermon like this. He's better than the angels, so you can trust and listen to him with your lives, and you can make sense of your life. Jesus proves that God loves and gives honor. So if you are in a crazy, messed up world like we live in today, you're wondering, do I have value? Do I have purpose? It is in Jesus Christ that humanity finds its value and its purpose. So if you find your value in Christ, if you find your purpose in Christ, you know what that means? You can rest. The reality is every one of us, me included, struggles with depression, anxiety, worry, fear. It's not that you're just going to turn that off. But the incarnation of Jesus Christ means you know where you can go with your weaknesses. That's why Philippians, Paul says, cast all your cares upon him. Be anxious for nothing. Right? Rather, we can run to Jesus who is fully human while being fully God. Hebrews chapter 4, we have a great high priest who is not unfamiliar with our struggles. So we can go to him and we can talk to him. I, I can tell you, I've had this happen to me now a couple of times. I once did the prayer at the Confederation Building a number of years ago where they commemorate those that were injured or died and so they have a service uh, for workmen's comp, and they gather people there in the lobby of the Confederation Center, and I was asked to come and to pray. And so I did that. I prayed, and before the, the ceremony, I moved around and got to know people and asked them their stories and found out. I met wives that were widows because their husband had passed away in a work accident. I met mothers who had lost children to work accidents. I met men and women that had been injured and now were on long-term disability because of work accidents. And so when I prayed, I, I bowed my head and I talked to God and I, I prayed for all these people. And afterwards, a, a minister was there of another denomination and he walked up to me afterwards and he shook my hand and he said, Reverend, you really believe you're talking to God, don't you? Well, thanks, Captain Obvious. Duh. I do. This is what we get to do because of the incarnation. Because Jesus came and lived the life I could never live, and he died the death that I deserve. And he rose over death victoriously, something I could never do. I can now go to God as Father. And I find grace 
in my time of need. And so John wants us to know that Jesus is an actual person who communicates. John wants us to know that he is grace. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, he says at the last of the passage, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He wants us to know that Jesus is not just a Savior, he's the Savior. He's not our Messiah, he's our Messiah. He is the Lord. Jesus is our view, our access to God as Father. Jesus is the doorway to being empowered and indwelled by the Spirit of God. So let me ask you just a couple of questions and then I'm done. At the risk of being rude, why are you here? How are you doing? I mean it, honestly. How are you doing? Every one of you that I look at and all of you that have tuned in online, every one of us has a story. This Christmas of 2022, if I asked you, what do you believe is the meaning of life? Why are you here? What would you say you believe? What would you say is your existence? What are you living for? What do you think happens when you come to die? Do you feel like you're out of moves? Are you going through the motions? I fear that too many of us, even in our own church here, are tempted to be simply religious. Are you trying to hang on, trying to make sense of Christmas? Then I just want you to remember this. One, you can never be at any stage or circumstance in life where God doesn't have another move. Satan never can say, checkmate, if you will turn to God. He'll always give you another move. And number two, you'll, you will never outmove God. You also will never checkmate God. You will never checkmate God with your religion or your good works or your church or your stuff. The last move is always God. So this Christmas, I'm begging of you, will you simply say, oh God, make the move in my life that you want to make? Or are you going to try and end this year and head into 2023 and think that you're going to outmove God only to discover you can't? Young people, let me tell you, for all of what we have in, in the woke and social justice and all of the things that we're dealing with, the one thing that you should all have figured out by now, you can't create a better God. You'll never create a better gospel. In fact, you'll never create a better Christmas. So I'm asking us all here tonight, admit, the greatest gift you can give yourself this Christmas is admit, I've got no more moves. And then confess Confess to God, I need to stop making moves. And then accept, accept the perfect move of all time. The person of Jesus, grace in the person of Jesus, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, Jesus. This is the incarnation. Ladies and gentlemen, into our curse, into our pain, into your distress and our misery, into our depravity, into our sin, enters the incarnate God, Jesus Christ, to make all things new. And that's what makes for a holy, holy night. Wayne Grudem says, the virgin birth of Christ is an unmistakable reminder that salvation can never come through human effort. 
but must be the work of God himself. Life, peace, joy, calm, safety, value, identity, hope, promise. I want you to imagine this. I said that Calvary Baptist is 29 years old today. Back all the way in Christmas Eve of 1906 in a small town outside of Boston. So I ask our music team, would you come join me again? The Canadian-American engineer, Reginald Fessenden, is sitting at one of his prized inventions, an electric device that can transmit sound through radio waves. He presses his thumb against his short, dark beard, thinking of a song, and then he readjusts his thin, circular spectacles. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, up to this point in history, the primary use of radio wave communication was what you and I know as Morse code. The language of monotonous or monotone pulses. And for several years, Reginald had been employed by various countries, companies sorry, to develop this new radio technology, including working directly with Thomas Edison at his laboratory in New Jersey. And although this man, Frederick, looked up to, or Reginald looked up to Edison, Reginald was his own kind of genius, and it was on this frozen night in December, December 24th of 1906, that Reginald decides to try something that no one has ever done before. You ready for this? A radio broadcast of live music. Nearby, his Bible is opened up to the Gospel of Luke. And Reginald looks at it and sees the words, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Then he picks up his violin, leans towards the transmitter, and begins to play a song. The melody of, are you ready for this? Oh, holy night. It stirs the ear, resounding in his ears and the ears of those many, many miles away. For those who were listening, hearing live music broadcast for the very first time in human existence, it was as if the heavens had filled with angels once more. You see, like the ancient shepherds in the field, like first-time radio listeners in 1906, and for you and I on Christmas Eve of 2022, the Christmas anthem of a holy night arrives in similar fashion. Suddenly, splendidly, the glory of God requires no prelude and no pre-show. A song that arrived on Christmas night divine, the night when Christ was born. So Calvary and visitors, hope has a name Joy has a name. Peace has a name. Purpose has a name. Life has a name. Holiness has a name. Mission has a name. Righteousness has a name. Redemption has a name. Salvation has a name. And his name is called Jesus. I want you to remember the early Christians did not say in dismay, look what has, the world has come to. But in, light, in delight they said, look what has come to the world. Scotty Smith reminds us, the night Jesus was born was so holy, but it wasn't silent and calm or bright. Jesus came into our loud, restless, dark world to save us from our sins and to make all things new. So, on this Christmas Eve, let us adore him. Indeed, God incarnate majesty in a manger. Church, friends, the incarnation, Christmas, is an invitation to know God by coming to and seeing 
Jesus Christ.